0: Well, this morning, I just want to greet each of you this, in Christ's name, welcome you to this part of our worship. This morning, Sandra, I just want to tell you my heart went out to you. Uh, my One of the things I just want to encourage all of you, and I want to encourage you, especially Sandra, God has given you a, a very powerful tool that miles cannot hinder, and that is the power of prayer. The Apostle Paul said, I am with you in spirit, and through prayer, you can link with this, your mom and the lord and with your siblings you can link in prayer it's a powerful tool that you have that you can reach out and you can touch their lives and they can touch yours and that's something that god has given to all of us that's it's it's incredible and it's something we don't often don't avail ourselves to well this morning uh i'd like for you to stand for the reading of god's word My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. Proverbs 3.12, For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, and even as a father the son, in whom he delighteth. Proverbs 13.24, He that spareth the rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Proverbs 15.4, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but the perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Proverbs 15.5, a fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. Proverbs 15.13, a merry heart maketh cheerful countenance, but a sorrow of the heart, the spirit, is broken. Proverbs 17.22, a merry heart doeth good like medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Then Proverbs 17.25, a foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her that bear him. Proverbs 19.8, Chasteneth thy son while there is hope, and let not the soul spare for his crying. Proverbs 22.15, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Proverbs 23.13, Withhold not correction from the child, for for if thou beateth him with a rod, he shall not die. Proverbs 23.14, Thou shalt beat him with a rod, and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Proverbs 29.15, the rod of, and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Proverbs 29.17, correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest, and yea, he shall, he shall give thee the light unto thy, unto thy soul. You may be seated. Before I get into the message this morning, just for a few moments, I'd like to turn your thoughts heavenward. I'd like to do so with the words of Horatio Spafford. Horatio Spafford was a very successful lawyer in the late 1800s in Chicago. Uh, he had a lot of investments, but in the fire, great fire, the Chicago fire of 1871, Horatio Spafford lost almost all of his investments. He then took his wife, put his wife and four daughters on a ship for a vacation in Europe. And uh, his plans were to follow a few days later. He had some unfinished business he needed to get done. And uh, so he put them on the ship and and planned to uh, follow them. But a few days later, he received the word that the ship had been involved in a collision and only his wife had survived. Afterwards, he himself boarded a ship, and as he was steaming across, the captain took him across the spot where his daughters had died. And these are the words that Horatio Spafford wrote. He said, When peace like a river attendeth my way, When sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet and though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control, that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, O oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part, but the whole, is nailed to its cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. For me to be at Christ, be at Christ, hence to live, if Jordan above me shall roll. No pang shall be mine, for in death as in life, thou shalt whisper, Thy peace to my soul. And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight, and the the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. And then the refrain, it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Let's bow. Father, it is, it is good to be in your house, in your presence again this moment. Thank you for being our Father and for making it possible for each one of us to be your children. Because of your Son and the marvelous work of an old wooden cross, it is well with our soul. And it is well as we face the challenges of life, the challenges of a family, the challenges of losing a loved one, the challenges of our own health, the challenges of living in a world that seems to have lost its way. And in the midst of it, you, Father, make it possible to say it is well with our soul. Father, you are our refuge, and this morning we find comfort under your wings. Father, thank you for blessing us with the love and the warmth and the care of a church family, a place where we can share our struggles and our concerns and just even our worries, concerns for our children and our families and our nation. Father, we pray for the upcoming election We pray that your hand might be upon it, and your will might be accomplished. And while the culture around us seems to have braced deceit, Father, we embrace the truth. Father, we are so grateful for your scriptures, your word. It's, It's always been true. It's worked in every generation, and it remains the plumb line by which all things can be measured. It has been faithful in the guide in raising our children, for our marriages, for doing business, and doing life. Lord, help us to hear today with hearts of faith. Encourage us today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's children said, Amen. Well, this morning I'm going to tackle a subject I've never preached upon, I've never taught on, it's something I don't consider myself an expert at. And yet I realize that many of you that have families to, are, are searching desperately for some, some things that are solid. Uh, and uh, I realized today that I just looked at some statistics and the statistics are staggering. It seems like the odds really are against you. Today, only 62% of the children under 18 have both parents in the home. And of those 62% that have two parents, only 46% of those are their birth parents. 15% of children have have been through divorce and remarriage. Another 26% live in single-parent homes. 7% live with a parent who is cohabiting. We used to call it shacking up. Five percent have neither parent. They're being raised by their grandparents or in their foster care. So I understand that those of you with children, you need some encouragement. Because our definitely our culture is against you. But Godly children just don't happen. It takes an intentional approach for you as parents to raise godly children. Uh, and for those of you who are doubting that, I have an article this morning. It kind of uses reverse psychology to help you understand the need for being intentional. It's called 12 Steps to Raising a Delinquent Child. Number one begin at infancy to give the child everything they want. That way they will grow up believing the world owes them a living. Number two, when they pick up bad words, laugh at them. That will make them think they are cute. Number three, don't bother giving them any spiritual training. Wait till they are 21 and allow them to decide for themselves. Number four, avoid the use of, word, avoid the, use of the word wrong. It may develop a guilt complex. This will condition them to believe that later on, when they are arrested for something criminal, that society is against them and they are being persecuted. Number five, do everything for them, including picking up after them, so that they will be experienced in throwing all the responsibility onto others. Number six, make sure their eating utensils are sterile, but allow their minds to feed on any kind of filth they can get their hands on. Number seven, as parents, Quirrell frequently in front of them. That way they will feel insecure. Number eight, give them all the spending money they want and never make them earn their own. Number nine, satisfy every craving for food, drink, and comfort. See that every sensual desire is gratified. Number ten, always take their side, especially against neighbors, friends, teachers, and policemen. Help them to understand they're all prejudiced and against them. Number 11, when they get into real trouble, apologize for yourself, explain, I I never could do anything with them either. And number 12, it's the clincher. Prepare for a life of grief, because you surely will have it. I know you've heard it from this pulpit over and over and over again, but it still remains true that the training of your child begins in your home. Uh, There isn't a school, a church, or a government agency that can ever take the place of what you guys do in your homes. And I know none of you parents wake up in the morning and decide, you know, I am going to be a bad parent. It could be possibly because you haven't been trained or just because you aren't disciplined that it just kind of happens. But when... Proverbs 22.15 says, The foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. You see, when... the Negle- when correction is neglected, it continues. I think all of you know adults, or I've seen uh, 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 individuals who, whose lives are just one bad choice after another. And that didn't begin in adulthood. It began as a child, and it continues into adulthood. But notice what, the, the, what it, God says, The rod of correction shall drive it far from him. The it is foolishness. Proverbs 23, 15 adds, Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. I know that sounds harsh. So for those of you who think that's really harsh, I'll give you a, a paraphrase by Eugene Peterson. He puts it this way: Don't be afraid to correct your young ones. A spanking won't kill them. In fact, a good spanking might save them from something worse than death. And uh, Proverbs 23:14 helps us understand what that is. Proverbs 23:14 says, "Thou shalt beat him with a rod, and thou shalt deliver his soul from hell." I'm guessing most of you never, most of you parents have never connected a good spanking with salvation. But God does. Now, because we live in a very, very liberal society, plan on being misunderstood when you use corporal punishment. And perhaps even run the risk of being reported. And because we live in a society where children are neglected, discarded, and abused, that is the measure by which corporal punishment is measured. Any kind of punishment is now considered abuse. In fact, political correctness says any discipline is abusive and illegal. So you see this. The goal is very simple of, the, of these liberals. Is that is to simply strip you parents of any input into your children. And uh, they have replaced uh, corporal punishment with dialogue and negotiation. There's one problem with that. That implies equals. and stripping you of the God-given authority that God has given to you to use wisely as a parent. Now, many of you were raised the same way, same way that I was, where spankings were administered. I actually went to the public school, and if you acted up in the public school, you went to the principal's office, and you got, you got what was known as the board. It was a nice, long oak paddle. It was, had neatly drilled holes in it, which made it very aerodynamic, and I never got it but i had friends who did and they just the way they described it i knew how it looked and what it was like and it hurt but uh it's not that i didn't deserve it It it's only by the grace of god that i never received it Uh, but uh yes exactly and but uh on top of that uh, i know if i would have gotten the board at the school. I probably would have came home and gotten another one at the, from dad. But you see, what spanking does is it addresses defiance. You see, correction that it, it is administered wisely keeps, helps keep your child's heart. Now, lest any of you think that I am endorsing abuse, let me make something incredibly clear to you this morning. I detest child abuse. Uh, I I find it very hard to be non-resistant when I read stories of parents who abuse their children or I see someone who is abusing their child. I find that everything that I can do to restrain myself. My, my wife babysits for our grandson and many days I come home and I lift this little guy in my arms and I just can't fathom how someone could abuse a small child. I detest anything that would scar a child physically, emotionally or spiritually. What I'm suggesting this morning is something that adds to your child, not damages your child. So to help you this morning to understand the difference between abuse and correction, I'm going to be making some comparisons. Uh, Before I do that, if you think my position is strong on abuse, consider Jesus' position on abuse. Notice what he says in Matthew 18. Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it is better for them that a millstone be hanged around their neck and they be drowned in the depths of the sea. I'm convinced God hates abuse. So when God is talking about correction, he's not talking about abuse. Let's see the distinctions. Abuse is unfair and never appropriate. Correction is fair and always appropriate and should be expected. Abuse is degrading and demoralizing. Correction upholds the dignity of the child. Abuse is extreme and it signifies a loss of control. Correction is always to be administered with restraint and self-control. Abuse leaves emotional scars. Correction leaves positive memories. Abuse comes from anger, frustration, and loss of impatience. Correction comes from love and a desire to correct the wrong for the good of the child and those whom your children will later impact. Abuse creates terror in the child and leaves them insecure. Correction mixed with love makes your child secure and aware of appropriate boundaries. Abuse breaks the spirit of a child and it extinguishes the light in their eyes. Correction leads to confidence and self-control and restraint in your children. There's just a world of difference between abuse and correction. Proverbs 15:13 says, The merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but the sorrow but the sorrow of the heart is the spirit of the broken. You see it's possible for you even for correction to be administered wrongly and uh, it. it when it, when correction is administered wrongly, it, it, it can crush the spirit of a child. Uh, if there's a fracture that takes place, uh, you might when, and when this happens, you might get the child's compliance, but you know inwardly they're going to resent you. This is about winning the heart of your child. Correction. Correction is healthy, it's wholesome, and it it means it involves you as a parent taking and studying your child to understanding their their weaknesses, their strengths, and how they their thought processes. It means studying your child. But breaking a child's spirit destroys the creativity but correction that, administers wi- that is administered wisely, wisely helps your children understand wrong choices bring about consequences and pain. Now to help all of you, I'm a dad and we all need to understand that some things that children do are not acts of defiance. Not everything that children do is just being defiant. Uh, for instance, it's, it's just normal for children to make mistakes, uh, to break things, to, to spill things, or to, to have accidents, and to sometimes just be careless. That's, that's part of the healthy learning process of your children. So not everything your child does warrants correction. And I'm going to be addressing some of this, how to find a balance in this. But to help you understand a little bit what defiance is, I'm going, I'm going to... Uh, well, defiance is the deliberate and stubborn resistance to obey. Defiance is deliberate. It is being hateful. It is being selfish. It is being belligerent and demanding. Uh, cursing, spitting, temper tantrums. Those are all acts of defiance. Throwing, uh, threatening your parents is defiance, uh, a child who lacks uh, parental, uh, respect for parental authority and is out of control often resorts to threatening parents. Well, this morning, though most of you look a little sober, so I'm going to throw a little humor into this thing. James Dobson writes a story that's just, it's very humorous, and yet it's, it's, it's good. He writes, in the absence of parental leadership, some children may become extremely obnoxious and defiant. It can happen in public places, and perhaps the best example is a 10-year-old boy named Robert who was a patient of my pediatrician, William Sloniker. Dr. Sloniker said his pediatric staff dreaded the days when Robert was scheduled for an office visit. He literally attacked the clinic grabbing instruments and files and telephones, and this passive mother could do little more than shake her head in bewilderment. During one physical exam, Dr. Sloniker observed some severe cavities in Robert's teeth and knew the boy must be referred to a local dentist. But who would be given the honor? A referral like that could mean the end of a professional friendship. Dr. Sloniker eventually decided to send to an older dentist who reportedly understood children. The confrontation that followed now stands as the one of the classic moments in history of human conflict. Robert arrived at the dental office prepared for battle. Get in the chair, said the doc. No chance, replied Robert. Son, I told you to climb in the chair, and that's what I intend for you to do said the dentist. Robert stared at his opponent for a moment then replied, If you make me get into that chair, I will take off all my clothes. The dentist calmly replied, Take him off. <laughs> the boy forthwith removed his shirt, his undershirt, his sh- shoes and his socks and looked up in defiance and said, All right, son, get in the chair. You didn't hear me, said Robert. I said, If you make me get into the chair, I will take off all my clothes. Take them off, said the dentist, to take them all off. Robert proceeded to remove his pants and his shorts and finally stood there naked in front of the dentist and his assistant. Now, son, get in the chair. Robert did as he was told and sat cooperatively through the entire procedure, completely naked. And when the cavities were drilled and filled, he was instructed to step down from the chair. Now give me back my clothes, said Robert. Uh, No, son. That's not what we're going to do today. You can tell your mother you can pick up your clothes tomorrow. (laughs) You can imagine the shock of Robert's mother as, as he opened the waiting room doors in his nice pink birthday suit. The waiting room was filled with patients, but Robert and his mom walked past them all into the hall, and they went down the public elevator into the parking lot, and ignoring the Snickers. The next day, Robert's mother retrieved his clothing. She had a word with the dentist. However, she did not come to protest. These were her sentiments. You don't know how much I appreciate what happened here yesterday. You see, for years Robert has been blackmailing me about his clothes. Whenever we get into a public place like a grocery store, he makes unreasonable demands of me and if I don't buy him immediately what he wants, he threatens to take off all his clothes. You are the first person who has called his bluff and the impact on on Robert has been just incredible. you see it took the wisdom of an old dentist to administer correction the sad thing is for you parents God doesn't ask you to wait for an old dentist he's asking you to do it yourself you see it takes wisdom it takes tons of love and yes it takes courage for you to administer the correction to your children and, and when you administer correction, when, when you give your child a spanking, give them, reaffir- give them the affirmation as well. They need love. And, and don't just give affirmation and love in those moments. Make sure there are plenty of other moments that you affirm them and, and express your love to your children. Uh, here's why it's so important that you guys as parents do take this seriously and really do a good job at this. You see, there's one day that a teacher will thank you for doing your job and disciplining your child, giving them correction. One day, an officer that pulls over your teenager will be grateful that you have given your child correction. One day, as, as your child walks down an aisle, there'll be a mate who will be grateful that you have given your child correction and discipline. And even in the workplace, there'll be a boss who is grateful for you, for you as parents, giving your children uh, correction and giving, showing them how to live a disciplined life. Proverbs 3, 3.11 says, My son despise not the chastening of the Lord, and neither be weary of his correction, for whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father and his son in whom he delight. I imagine Solomon going and speaking these words to his own sons. And here's the, here's the thing that all of you need to understand. If your children don't learn how to live under the authority of your voice, how would you ever expect them to live under God's voice? And if, if they don't learn to live under your chastening hand, how would they ever live under God's chastening hand? God expects you to be the stepping stone to him. And I love how Solomon, he links love and correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. Just stop all of you who have been walking with God for some time. Most of you can think back to some moment that God's corrected you. Has it been unpleasant? Yes. But even in the moment that God corrected you or uh, chastened you, there was something that brought peace with it because you knew God cared about you. He loved you. And yes, most of those lessons we learn from God, they are lessons that last. There's things that you have learned through that time that almost nothing else could have taught. Those are lasting lessons. Hebrews chapter chapter 12 says, And have ye forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as children? My son, despise thou not the chastening of Of the Lord, neither faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourges every son whom he receiveth. And if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But ye without chastisement, whereof ye are all partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers. ...of our flesh, which corrected us and gave us reverence, and shall, shall, not, shall we not as much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits than live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness... Now no chastening of the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous, and nevertheless afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. There's several things that are noteworthy of noting in that passage. And the, one of the things I want you to notice is how parental correction is expected. It is expe- God expects you as, as, as parents to correct your children. It's to be expected. And if a child of God is not corrected, it shows that God is not his father. The The only ones that receive no correction are the fatherless. So why does God correct us as adults? He tells us that we might be partakers of his holiness in verse 10, and in verse 11, that we might yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Do you realize that the same thing is true of your children? If you want your children to experience holiness and to experience righteousness, then you have to be serious about this thing of, of correcting your children. Let me give you four ways to implement correction. The first is start early. I've gleaned that from Proverbs 13, 24. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, and he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. You know, it, it doesn't take a child very learned to figure out that if they have no boundaries, their parents really don't care about them. You give your child some boundaries, it actually helps them be secure. Here's what I want you to get. The word betimes. It's a Hebrew word called shahar, and it means early and diligently. It is important for you to start correcting your child early in life and to be about it diligently. In fact, Proverbs 19.18 suggests the same. Chasten thy son while there is hope. Let not thy soul spare for his crying. It implies to doing it early in life, while there's hope. Secondly, stay balanced. I'm a big fan of that. Notice what it says in Proverbs 29.15. The rod and reproof give wisdom But a child left to himself brings his mother to shame. Notice how it says the rod and reproof. There are times a spanking and a heart to heart talk are appropriate. There are times just a heart to heart talk will do just fine. Always follow up with affirmation, affirm your children. The other thing you need to do as parents, please make sure that you have made your children very clear the boundaries that you expect. That's part of reproof. Making sure they know what the boundaries are that you've given as a parent. Thirdly, be consistent. Be consistent. This is probably the toughest one. What was wrong yesterday? should be wrong tomorrow and what is wrong in public is also wrong at home don't have double standards and don't waffle at it Um, but here's the thing you all need to remember don't overwhelm your children with rules the goal is to win their heart Fourth. Be reasonable, be reasonable. I still remember the the time uh, one evening with my daughter, we had a disagreement, and uh, for a span of probably two hours, we sat and talked. I talked, and she listened, and then she talked, and I listened and I realized. Uh, One of the things that was wrong is that I was being unreasonable. I cared more about what people thought and what they would think of me than I cared about her heart, and I realized I was losing her heart. My daughter's not perfect because her dad was not perfect. I am not perfect, and if you allow me to be very candid this morning with all of you, neither are any of you. Um, Today she's 26, she's a wife, she's a mother, and she still respects my advice. Our goal is to win your child's heart. Be reasonable. You see, the goal for you parents is to release a very responsible adult into the world who loves Christ. And the goal for you children is to become a man or a lady who is mature and responsible and who honors Christ. But you children, that never, seldom happens without mom and dad being intentional and in instructing you at home. So one of the things that as children you need to do is to simply listen to your parents. And if the Lord tarries as he has for me, there's going to be a day you're going to be grateful for the advice and for the correction that your mom and dad have given you. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for your faithfulness. Thank you for the instruction of the word. Thank you that your word still is alive and it, it, it reaches our heart. But Also, Father, we are grateful for the encouragement. May you receive the glory for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.